You're listening to Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. It was a nice night last night uh, in Nashville as Matty Beneers was honored. And, well, even Dave Haxall came in third in the coach of the year voting as well, which is uh, certainly warranted. Uh, we get, One of the cool things, we get to occasionally talk to old friends. I have not seen Rob Simpson in basically forever. I think the last time I saw him was in Montreal late one night, very, very late one night. But uh, he's now here covering the Kraken and does a great job uh, with Seattle Hockey Insider. Rob, how's it going, man? Mike, how are you? You're kidding me, really? A late night in Montreal? I know. Come on. Can you imagine how such you a know. thing would have occurred? Yes, it was. Uh, right. Yeah. I mean, all wow. nights in Montreal, I think, are, are late nights. Not unlike Nashville, but let's uh, let's dig in. What did you see last night? What what set Matty Beneers apart this year from the other rookies? Well, just the level of responsibility. Obviously, uh, it, the points were there, but also just the level of responsibility. He's, you know, on, on the top line, he's working on a power play, got a little, little touch of the penalty kill t- there towards the end, but mostly just special teams, a leader, uh, and part of that tenacious forecheck. And, and as uh, Coach Haxtell says often, he's just, he's just a presence, and he's a hard worker, and he kind of, he's charismatic on and off the ice, and it, and it shows. And then, of course, you know, he piled up the points, so he had the best point total. Uh, it was a pleasure talking to him last night after he after he won this thing. He was very appreciative. Do you think he can be ultimately the best player on a Stanley Cup winning team? Could he be the best player on a Stanley Cup team? That's a great question. I think he'll he would need to be surrounded by at least three or four other comparable talents. I mean, obviously all doing various and different things, but um, I, I, that's hard to say right now. If he would be the best player, if that's where this is headed for Matt, for Matty Veneers, but that is a possibility. I mean, I, sky's the limit at this point in time. I would say. Yeah, I, I think that's one of the things that that I'm still trying to figure out. Also, obviously, he's a great young player, incredible young talent, and we don't know yet how much he's going to kind of grow into being a man as he kind of, you know, gets older and gets some of that, that grown man strength that tends to, to show up. But I, you know, if you're a Kraken fan and you're trying to figure out, okay, what gets this team over the top, you know, do they need another top tier kind of a player? And if so, is this an off season where you can go out and get one or is Matty Beneers just going to turn into that guy for you? Yeah, I mean, at, the, at this point, you know, they're pretty, they're obviously set with him in that position. Um, you know, and he is going to grow into his body. That's something I asked him, I think, with probably about a month left in the season about just his size. And I was standing next to him. I had a nice little exclusive one on one with him after he won last night. And I realized how much bigger I am than him. <laughs> um, he's kind of slight. And, and uh, he had mentioned, I don't know the exact weight that he brought up. You know, when when there was still time, it might have actually been during the playoffs, um, and probably wanted to add ten or twelve pounds and bulking up a little bit, and just getting a little thicker and getting that man strength going. He's just twenty years of age, um, but I, I, you know, he he's going to be your top line guy. They need to slot that. They need to find a long term solution in that in that second center position. So you have a lefty in veneers. The hope was. 
Shane Wright would be the righty that would be the guy right behind him in that lineup. And, I, and there's still some question marks as to Shane Wright's offensive abilities and the, the capability he's could put together offensively. So that's, that's not a guarantee right now uh, with Shane Wright. And he, he, he's a kid that's pretty hard on himself. So that is definitely a work in progress. So there are areas this team needs to improve. They need to add their depth up the middle, of course, is the most important place Uh, along the blue line is obviously very, very important. And they have to make sure they keep their goaltending intact for for the foreseeable future and on into the distance. Yeah. Carson, Carson Susie is a question mark on the blue line right now in terms of, is he going to dip his feet in the, uh, unrestricted free agent waters. I had spoken uh, or texted with his agent, Jerry Johansson the other day, and he basically said, things are up in the air. So it's like, okay, up in the air. Um, And I hope to chat with him again here in the next couple of days, but that means, you know, Riker Evans has been a a really good lefty prospect who had an outstanding season, a postseason with Coachella Valley on the blue line. So there's, there's another spot They, 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 they need help across the board, Mike. I mean, this is, this is a team that's not quite ready. They came close, but they need two yeah. or three bodies to push them over so, the hump. So, so talking to Rob Simpson, and you can follow Rob on Twitter if you're a hockey fan in Seattle, you need to, at Simmerpuck, S-I-M-M-E-R-P-U-C-K. Um, if you want to go out and get a great player this offseason, it's not like great players are generally available. There's no you know unbelievably great player in free agency but there may be a yep. unique situation in Toronto where they have four potentially great players and it hasn't worked. Is there any possibility of a matchup trade with Toronto to bring back one of their four top guys and, and pair him with Matty Beneers and some of the other folks here in Seattle and turn it into something? That is a, that is a distinct possibility, especially when you have uh, a first-round pick at number 20, and then you have nine more picks, including three in the second round, and that uh, Ron Francis has been, has been loading up picks over the course of time, and obviously that's never a bad thing. They have two extra picks in 2024 as well, a couple of third-rounders, I think a couple of seventh-rounders. I mean, and that doesn't sound like a whole lot, but those are little trade chips that can be tossed in and added added to the fire in terms of putting things together. Um, I wouldn't rule any of that out. And a lot of that comes, just comes down to chemistry. You know, they spend so much time interviewing. You don't want to upset the apple cart in terms of that, that team kind of that bond, that love, that chemistry that you have in the dressing room. Um, obviously it usually gets picked apart for financial reasons as players become, for example, Vince Dunn is going to get a hefty pay raise. Once players you start to not be able to afford players, you start have to kind of break up the band. But in the meantime, that chemistry is so very important. So you have to, just like you interview guys at the combine, the draft combine in Buffalo a few years ago when they're coming into the National Hockey League, you really have to keep that in mind when you bring veteran players into your organization as well, is just how well are these guys going to fit in. And that would be my question mark with those Toronto guys and anyone else for that matter. Do any of those Toronto guys intrigue you more than the others? Uh, I've never been a huge Nylander guy. I'm not. a. Uh, um, Austin Matthews is obviously on another level in terms of scoring ability. Mitch Marner, all around outstanding two-way talent. Um, and that's probably an understatement. Johnny T is not going anywhere if we're talking about the four forwards. So, 
I mean, if you get a hold, I, I don't know if that club would want to get up, give up Marner. I think Nylander would be the most likely uh, candidate. The only problem is three of them have no move clauses, right. and I think Nylander is the one that has a limited no move. So, you know, it's all just kind of throwing spit against the wall and seeing what <laughs> sticks. But um, it's as you pointed out, it's not an incredible UFA market. So. Well, I'm curious. I, I, I'm curious to see how they make this team better. And it sounds like it, you know, tomorrow night may end up being one of those days where things start to happen because of all the picks they have. And with the draft starting tomorrow, uh, if they do elect to keep their keep their picks, is this a good draft? Is this a good time for the Kraken to have as many picks as they do? Yes. Um, and obviously, it's usually top heavy. Uh, you're, you know, you're the guys that you're, I don't want to say guaranteed, but it's a pretty good top of draft and um, it runs a little deeper than typical. It might not run to 20 where they're sitting right now. And I had a nice little sit down chat with Robert Cron. Uh, I posted the story at Seattle Hockey Insider. Um, we talked about some of the prospects, some of the international prospects and how difficult it is at 20, because this year you might be in pretty damn good shape one through eight, one through 10, but it doesn't matter what year it is. There are no guarantees beyond that. So, um, they'll see what they can get. Who knows? Maybe they'll try to move up by utilizing, moving along one of those second rounders or a couple of them. Um, I mean, they have a number of options and that's the nice thing about having those picks and acquiring those picks. But again, as you pointed out there off the top, Mike, it's, uh, it's about building through the draft. I mean, you're going to bring in complimentary pieces. You might add a superstar here or there, or a guy at a trade deadline for a playoff run, but ultimately it's the guys that you can interview and nurture and develop uh, through the draft, like a Maddie Beneers that are going to make the difference. Hey, uh, last thing for you here, Rob, and then we'll let you go uh, enjoy Nashville today as you get ready for the draft tomorrow night. What do you, you know, Dave Haxtall in year one versus Dave Haxtall in year two, to me, seems like a, a fairly uh, large gap in, in between the two, a huge delta between how he was in year one and how it worked in year two. What do you think was the biggest difference? Well, the biggest difference was some of the bodies that uh, Ron Francis provided for him. I mean, they, and Maddie Bedeers being one of them. It's funny because I, I make this mistake a lot, Mike. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll reel off the guys he brought in. I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, you, you, got in, you brought in Andre Burskowski, you brought in Justin Schultz, Oliver Yorkstrand, you know, Martin Jones filled in nicely in net when, when, uh, when we had in, injury issues with Ruby. And I'm like, oh, yeah, and then the rookie, uh, you know, he, he showed up. Like, so he basically had five new bodies when you include Maddie Beneers arriving on the scene. Uh, and, and let's face it, talent rules. And that was the biggest mm-hmm. thing for Dave Haxtell. He, he and his staff had more to work with, but that said a number one for a head coach and for a staff is buy-in. And he even brought this up the other day on his little media availability he says we had belief, we had buy-in. You can have all the talent in the world, and I can list teams over the last two decades that fit this perfectly, and you might even be able to bring up a Boston team or two along the way from the earlier 2000s. If you do not have buy-in, you are doomed. And this team had a nice balance and some veteran maturity that bought into the system, bought in, believed in what the coaching staff was preaching, and when you get that, that's half the battle. And uh, they did a nice job, and 
part of the cohesion that worked with that chemistry on the team also worked with the coaching staff. So I think they did a really nice job of communicating and, build, and building a message. I watched Miracle on Friday night. Is that the best sports movie of all time? Oh, it's close. That is a that is close. I, I would be right. I would be. Uh, I, I'm kind of a Field of Dreams guy too because I like you know playing catch with Dad. I I like to <laughs> used to play catch with. I used to play catch with my son all the time, and I would always relish that. Um, you know, he's he's up in university now, so I don't see him as often. But uh, yeah, I say Field for tearjerker, Field of Dreams, and even uh, from an emotional, you know hair stands up on your arms thing uh miracle is uh pretty amazing yeah plus you I know put it right up there. the true story element pretty uh kind of helps hey rob it's good to good to catch up with you man let's make sure we do it again uh you can read rob at cl hockey insider or just follow him at simmer puck on twitter thanks man much appreciated enjoy nashville thank you mike appreciate it